Hi, this is Lizzie McDonald. I spearhead the PATH program, Patient Healthcare and Wellness by Rivers Edge Pharmacy. And today I'm talking to Nirali, who is a infusion nurse. Hi, Nirali. How are you doing today? Hi, Liz. I'm doing good. Yes, I am an infusion nurse and um, I've been doing this for a while. And I actually got introduced with infusions through Rivers Edge Pharmacy. I was an emergency nurse. I was approached by one of the home health agencies and they said, hey, we have, you know, we have an opportunity um, and it's just infusions. So I shadowed one of the nurses that was, you know, doing infusions. I said, okay. Um, eventually I became an IG certified nurse. I've seen multiple patients with so many various diseases. Yeah, no, it's really exciting because IVIG is a medication that a lot of people don't know very much about at all. So I really want to quickly say that IVIG stands for intravenous immune globulin. It is biologically derived through human plasma. So, I mean, there's other medications out there, more chemically induced. It's derived from human plasma, which is donated throughout the world. So it's not just based off of USA, it's Australia. I mean, these manufacturers, they, they come from everywhere. Um, and donors, they screen these very well. Um, I know in the 90s, there were some complications where the filtration wasn't as great and there was chances of getting hepatitis and viral loads were very high. However, with new technology, new improvements, th there are no record of any hepatitis since then. Um, of course, there are viral loads, but very minute, and they actually check each um, IG product of about how much viral load is in there to be passed and approved for infusion. So the way I look at this is uh, in your bloodstream, you have your immune system that takes a big role. They produce antibodies. And some people, their immune system is not the best, you know, uh, they're, they have weakened immune system genetically, you know, whatever the reason could be behind it. So unfortunately, some of these antibodies are not produced or enough to help uh, your body, or they actually start attacking the good cells. What you can think about it is, is how I put it is like a lock and key mechanism. So in your blood, there's a whole bunch of locks floating around. Each lock has a particular duty to do, like they're supposed to either, hey, stop, let's, let's get rid of this bacteria or let's break down this muscle or so forth or so forth. Now, some of these keys are missing in your system. So I, IVIG, immunoglobulins, what we do is they flood people with a lot of these keys and locks and stuff and they hope one of these keys, one of the, you know, will attach to the lock and either disable it or enable it. I really like how you explain that. It makes it really simple. Cause I know when I have tried to explain to patients what IVIG is, cause so many patients have no clue. It's hard to explain kind of what it does. And yeah. that's a really nice example. If we're both on the same page, kind of when the uh, immune system is attacking the nerves or muscles or the good cells, that's kind of an autoimmune. And obviously when we're deficient, that's an immune deficiency disorder. Correct. Okay. We have um, 
B cells and T cells. Tell me a little bit about the difference between B cells and T cells, because I actually have been had a patients ask me, like very basic. Okay, so the immunoglobulins, the Ig, is actually created by the B cells. These are the production factory. What happens is then you have the T cells. They are the coordinator. So let's say you have a SWAT team. Okay, mm -hmm. you have the team lead, and they're they're getting all their members ready. Then you have the commander or chief. And they are gonna tell you, okay, you go here, you go there, kind of kind of directions. So that's how T cells play a role. Some of these cells in our body, the immune system cells, they have like a certain memory. So if they see, again, they'll attack those foreign objects. Of course, if there's not enough SWAT team members available, they're not gonna be able to attack or stop whatever is going on. So that's how you can also look at another kind of term. But basic function of B cells is to produce the Ig and T cells to go and actually coordinate where it's going to be sent to. I hope I hope that was a good definition of it. No, it's I I like to use those metaphors because a lot of people, you know, biology is not their specialty. So, yeah. like, so if, when a patient starts on IVIG, you know, most likely they're getting it through a specialty pharmacy. It's going to get shipped, like River's Edge, of course, ships the IVIG, depending on, you know, either to the patient or to the infusion. But if it gets shipped to a patient, what's really important for a patient to do when they get their shipment? What I always tell my patient is make sure you check the medication. Make sure it's not broken. Mm -hmm. The vials are perfect condition or anything. Make sure it's still, you know, there's an ice pack in there. There are some that you can leave them at room temperature, but there are some that you need to be refrigerated. I prefer, and also the pharmacy, I know prefers that all patients refrigerate their IVIG. What happens is we also have to tell them, make sure it's not all the way in the top of the fridge or in, in the back, because that's where it freezes. And we can't, right. use, we can't use it if it crystallizes and freezes. Um, it has to stay within a certain temperature. If the infusion is being done like the following day or even the same day, then I say, okay, just go ahead and leave it outside in room temperature as long as it doesn't get past like 77 degrees. Um, and you never want to overheat it or put it in a heat bath because you're going to denature the proteins that are in there. Oh, that's really good to know. Uh, so sometimes I know we go to the centers and we pull it out of the fridge and the bottles are cold. So what I like to do is I kind of take it out when I get there. By the time I'm setting the patient up, the temperature comes down. I also use my hands to warm up the bottles, kind of body heat from the from the palms. Um, but I never, you never want to stick a heat pack. You never want to put in a microwave. No, no hot water bath either. Nothing for that. Um, just for safety. And you don't want bacteria because bacteria will grow in it with too much heat as well. And what's the best thing patients can do to prepare for their IVIG infusion? What makes it easier for you as a nurse? Best thing, hydration. You want to hydrate. You want to de-stress yourself. You know, if you have work or something and, you know, to say, I'm going to take this time out. I'm going to do my treatment because right now I have to take care of myself, my body. And if I cause stress, that means I'm going to be releasing more anxiety on myself of course and then you know stress leads to higher glucose levels so and 
and some of these products are high in glucose and sugar levels. So it, it could, you know, cause your cause you to feel more weaker because you have so much sugar. And if you're diabetic, you're you're it's gonna spike, and that's gonna make you feel more tired. So you always want to kind of sit back, say, okay, this is me. I'm gonna do my infusion. I'm gonna stay hydrated. Um, I'm not gonna drink Red Bull because I know I have patients that can drink Red Bull. <laughs> and the heart rate is up when I get there. So I advise them try not to drink any caffeine because uh, that's those are diuretics. You want to drink lots of water. Get your veins ready for the IV. You don't want to be poked so many times. You know, have whatever you need within reach so you don't have to worry about getting disconnected continuously or trying to walk with a pole. Um, those are some of the kind of things I go over with my patients. When patients are on IVIG, it's really important for them to obviously take good care of themselves, stay in contact with their doctor. And I know you'd mentioned some about, you know, having blood levels tested. With IVIG, one of the good things is that there's not very many terrible adverse reactions or terrible side effects. But what are some things that could potentially happen and maybe some ways like patients can kind of mitigate them? Sure. So let me address the blood work first. The reason they want you to do your blood work for mainly is for your kidney. And IVIG, there's large protein molecules. There's molecules that are going to be passing through your kidneys. You got to make sure that your kidneys are filtering properly. There are, you know, it's, you're not dehydrated because then that puts, puts stress on your kidneys. So we need to make sure there's no recommended timeline, but I like to say every six months, get your kidney tested. Um, and I'll give you a story in regards to one of those, a patient who actually was in kidney failure and was not aware about the IVIG and the molecules. And he actually ended stopped doing the infusions because he wanted to save his kidneys. So those are some of the things that we have to make sure that patients are aware and that, you know, do doctors are aware that we should have an order for blood work on routine basis as we continue IVIG treatment. In regards to side effects, one of the major side effects that a lot of people do have is headache. Okay. Um, headache is something where they're dehydrated. Once again, hydration comes in play. So we could always ask your doctor, hey, can I get a hydration? during my IVIG. You want to take your pre-medication such as Tylenol. That kind of helps your system calm down. The Tylenol, the diphenhydramine, it calms your immune system down. It says, okay, where there's going to be fluid shift because we're putting a whole bunch of molecules in your body, in your bloodstream, there's going to be a shift in fluids. So your body's trying to adjust. And for with that, sometimes, you know, you get those headaches like, wow, I'm getting too much fluids or I'm not getting enough fluids. And that's just your body's way of telling you, hey, drink some water. Let's get this plumbing system going properly because everything right. is out of control right now. We don't know what's going on because you're putting all this stuff into my system. Pre-medication, a definite. Yes, after a few treatments, if you don't have any symptoms, if you feel like, you know, I tolerate it fine, go ahead and reduce this pre-medication. And then if you choose to, you don't have to take the pre-medication. It's actually optional. Um, however, if you do get a headache, we'll always have a Tylenol or Ipenhydramine available to help calm down some of those uh, symptoms. 
Other symptoms I've noticed are rashes, minor rashes, so that's where the diphenhydramine comes in play. Then there's flu-like symptoms after IVIG, where you're kind of feel exhausted, you, you know, you have this headache, you, you know, so some people complain of runny nose. Those can be caused by IVIG. The best treatment for those is slow down the infusion rate. Maybe the rate that you got it at was too, too much for your body to handle. So slow down the IVIG rate. What's like an average IVIG rate? Patients do have that option to slow it down. First, the grams is based on your weight and also your height. Okay. The way IVIG works is you, or any blood product work, is you have to start off with a slow rate. A rate is how much mLs is going into your body at a certain time. The basic rate we start off with is 20 mLs per hour. Then it jumps to 30, 40, 80, 100. Those are the standards. Some people could tolerate 150 at the max rate. Some people could tolerate up to 200 at max rate. But the people that start to have headaches, discomfort, they cannot tolerate fast rate, so we have to keep them at a lower rate. For example, I have a patient who is sensitive to everything, and she's only getting 35 grams, but the max rate I could go with her is 65. Otherwise, she starts to have headaches, she has flu-like symptoms, you know, uh, discomfort. Those are the kind of complaints that she gets. So it's better to infuse slow. We're not in a rush. You know, we want to make sure you're okay. If a nurse doesn't have time, then find another nurse because this is all about you. You matter. Um, and you want to make sure that you're comfortable doing this because at the end, you want to see, you know, it progress to make you feel better. And you don't want to be having these side effects and then feel like, oh, it's not working for me or it's causing me more discomfort. And then you give up. And we don't want right. that to happen. IVIG is not an instant miracle drug, but it does take it takes treatment. And it, for some people, it may not make it make your disease process go away, but at least I'll keep you at baseline where you're not deteriorating more than where you started from. A septic meningitis can happen. And what are the symptoms of that when a patient should really go get checked out in kind of an emergency situation? Just not to scare anyone, it doesn't happen very often, but. Um, aseptic meningitis, which is a severe post-infusion headache. It occurs after an infusion and lasts for hours to days. And that is due to the inflammation in the spinal cord. Headache is the main issue and the re and what you need to be concerned about is a thrombolic event a clot okay mm -hmm. if you if you feel like you have one-sided weakness facial drooping just not yourself you need to seek medical emergency if you're able to talk of course and you know you just feel a little kind of out of place your headache is severe you call your pharmacy your doctor's office they're going to tell you go to the emergency room get this evaluated. That's one thing, whether a nurse, a doctor, you need to go to the emergency room right now. Go get it checked out. I know an instant where actually the pharmacy advised a patient to take Tylenol, and it turned out that the patient ended up getting a, a minor clot. Uh, thank goodness it wasn't uh, anything major. 
But this is why it's important for your medical doctor office to be aware of what's going on. But if that patient was to call me and said, hey, I have a severe headache, unusual like any other headache, we need to send you to the emergency room. Um, and that's what's also good to know, too, is if you have an adverse reaction, keeping your whole medical team in the loop, the nurse, the pharmacy, or doctor, they can come up with a plan. So if the medication is benefiting you with yeah. any medication, you have to kind of outweigh side effects versus the benefits and the medical yeah. team will do their best to make it work if it's a working well for your symptoms. Right. I know no one wants to go to the emergency room. I know, <laughs> I know with the COVID <laughs> situation, the wait time is long, but I promise you, if you go there, it's for your own benefit. And if you tell them that you had IVIG and you possibly, and you have a severe headache, they will skip all those people and get you a room or a bed ASAP because I worked at the emergency <laughs> department. I know. And if you still feel like, you know what, I'm still going to be in line, call the ambulance because the ambulance <laughs> is going to have first priority than people that are standing in line at the waiting lob at the lobby. So Good advice, Norelli, because I will say as someone who has had very severe headaches and probably had a septic meningitis, I did not want to go to the ER. And knowing, you know, a clot is possible, obviously having some discomfort in the ER is worth your life. Yes. So good good to know. And it's good to also know. How, yes. It's always good to educate patients that you're probably going to be able to skip the line. In situations like that, ER um, will go ahead and, you know, put you first. Because there is a certain timeline, you know, if you're, it's, it's a stroke symptom. So you're going to get priority over someone with a broken bone. You'll be you'll be the first one to get checked out. <laughs> and also I would, you know, uh, I like my patients to notify me too. And so that way I'm aware and make sure the uh, pharmacy and their MD office is aware also because sometimes communication can drop, right? Like maybe the patient's like, oh, I told this person and they'll handle it. So it's better that if you involve the whole team, which includes the nurse, the pharmacy, the patient, the family and the doctors. It, it is good to let your nurse know because I know that when I was having a really hard time on IVIG, my nurse was the one who absolutely advocated to get things in motion to help me have a successful IG experience. People need to understand their nurses are so much a part of the medical team. And uh, if possible, try to keep the same nurse for your mm -hmm. care because it, it that nurse knows you and knows how you tolerate the IVIG. So if possible, you could always say, hey, can I request the same nurse? Uh, and I'm sure a lot of agencies and the pharmacies will do their best to keep that nurse with you. Mm -hmm.